The American Royal is the nation's highest caliber livestock show, providing a premier experience for exhibitors. Rooted in their legacy, which began in 1899, they're committed to providing a platform for competition, scholarships, and education. A Kansas City tradition, the American Royal is focused on creating an environment where all feel welcome, where agriculture is elevated, and champions are crowned. The American Royal is currently celebrating its 123rd year and looking forward to hosting exhibitors from October 6th to 23rd, right in Kansas City, Missouri. If you're interested in showing, be sure to check out their website for more information regarding entry information and deadlines. www.americanroyal.com That's www.americanroyal.com Or follow the link in the show notes. Entries are due September 10th. Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guests today are from a nonprofit that helps veterans transition from service to a second career in farming or agriculture. Todd Bunting is a retired Air Force Major General with over 30 years of service. He has devoted his post-military life um, to veteran care. Also with us today is Virgil Williams, and he is also a veteran and runs runs operations at Save Farm. Uh, from the Save Farm, I would like to welcome Todd. And Virgil, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, we're glad to be with you. Looking forward to talking to you. Yeah. And first of all, thank you both for your service. Um, not only, you know, while you were serving, but also after you guys are making a, a great difference in the world. And, we're trying. <laughs> yeah. So can you each tell me a bit about your backgrounds? Um, Todd, would you want to start? Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I spent my career in the Air Force and in the National Guard. Um several assignments all over the country. Uh, uh, I'm an Air Force contingency type person, so I'm trained to do a variety of things, but mostly all centered around the Air Force being able to operate anywhere in the world. Uh, And then I ultimately retired as the Adjutant General of Kansas, which was responsible for the Army and Air National Guard and emergency management and homeland security in Kansas. Uh, And that's where I met a lot of the people that are currently involved with the Safe Farm, but I had a particular interest uh, in uh, resiliency uh, while I was still in uniform with the ep- ep- epidemic of veterans and currently serving member suicide. So when I got out, I ultimately found my way to the Save Farm and our mission to help veterans transition uh, from the service into a career in farming and also to help them heal as part of the transition process. Right. And, and Virgil? Um, I've served 24 years in the uh, Army. I've been just about everywhere that the Army could send you, Germany, Korea, in the desert. Uh, But throughout my time in the military, I kind of fell in love with Manhattan, Kansas area. So when I retired, I went and moved back here. Uh, Once I got here, I tried to do the typical retirement thing and sit back and enjoy life. But just sitting around wasn't me. And then I so uh, I saw a job opportunity on Indeed to work with veterans and volunteer, and the position was actually for operations, which was something I did most of my career in the Army. So when I applied and I did my interview, one of the things that really got me was they uh, they mentioned that I'll have more opportunities to help out veterans and service members. I was like, well, that's basically what I enjoyed doing while I was in the military. So it was like a win-win situation for me. That's incredible. And so what does Save Farm stand for? 
Uh, Safe Farm is is an acronym. It's Service Member Agricultural Vocational Education. Amazing. And why was this incredible project started? Well, we there was a group of people that started Save, but the original idea came from a longtime Army uh, veteran, a Special Forces officer that uh, uh, had had multiple tours in Vietnam and had uh, post traumatic stress and had found great relief in his particular case with beekeeping. And uh, from that, uh, him and his daughter, who was a behavioral health specialist, saw the need, saw the crisis of veteran suicide, and knew that there was also healing that came from farming, not just bees, but from just being outside. And so they came up with this idea uh, and started with a lot of beekeeping and things of that nature, mostly beekeeping. And then I happened to know him because he had been the garrison commander at Fort Riley. So he recruited myself and several others that are actually still on the board six years later uh, to come on board and branch out and to truly put uh, some fidelity uh, to to this program. And over those many years, we've come up with the program we have now that uh, is approved by the Kansas Board of Regents and veterans can use their GI Bill uh, starting this fall or other. We have other grants from the Department of Bag where we can help them transition uh, they come and spend five months for us with us, and uh, we we graduate a safe apprentice. We're not miracle workers, and we have just seen through the years that Virgil and I have been involved that being outside, being around other vets, but just mostly being on a farm, and just having a chance to to learn a different trade and in, in a safe environment has really proven to be a great way to to get people to enjoy life more and uh, to have a meaning in their life. Yeah, for sure. That that's really powerful. And as you said um, a few minutes ago, veterans have a very high rate of suicide. And one of my most dear friends in the world, he served in the Canadian military um, in Afghanistan. And I've been fortunate enough to share in some of his journey over the last decade or so. And so I know firsthand some of the struggles that he's had to face returning to normal life. So can you both Tell me what a veteran goes through while transitioning from service to civilian. Sure. Uh, I can tell you that's a very complicated question because there's no mm-hmm. one answer because each veteran has had a different experience, level of experience uh, and a you know, number of years of service, how many times they were put in a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. I would say the primary thing that's that's difficult is uh, you don't necessarily see things or you don't operate the same way that other people do. And so it's the transition is uh, going from a very structured, uh, very, uh, I wouldn't say rigid, but a structured clarity of your life and that you have a real, it's very simple on what you're going to do. It's a difficult job, but it's simple. And then when you come out uh, and, and you're not around people like you, exactly like yourself, focused on the same thing every day, you sometimes not sure you fit in and that that's for all veterans. And then those that have experienced the worst of it, those that were in combat and perhaps were wounded themselves or lost their battle buddy or wingman, that's a level of trauma uh, and, and hurt that is hard to explain uh, if you haven't experienced it. And then I guess the other part that again can vary so dramatically is we come from a country that truly values life and and values all lives but has just has a sense of morality and decency to it and when you're a place somewhere where they don't have that 
and you see those horrors of people that use others as it's just difficult to think that your fellow human being can be that way. And mm-hmm. so sometimes you get back, you you come from America where that never happens, and then you go somewhere and you see that kind of inhumanity. And that's it's hard for you sometimes to ever get your arms around that on this same earth we all inhabit, that there are just some some bad people out there. There really are bad people out there. And that's our job to take care of that. But it doesn't mean it doesn't stay with you when you when you've had to to uh, uh, keep this country safe from from folks that I think most people could never imagine just how they are. And sometimes it bothers you because your humanity is is all of what you are. Like Virgil said, he taking care of fellow veterans is what he lives to do. So he has a compassion that is his greatest strength. It's difficult to see someone who has none. And so I, I, that occasionally is difficult when you when you are around uh, folks that don't have any compassion or any sense of decency. Yeah, that's understandable. And Virgil, do you have anything to add to that? Um, Todd basically hit everything on the head. Um, only thing I would add is it's when you transition out, you are used to, whether you know it or not, constantly going to formation for accountability. You're seeing people every day. It's like being in a family. But once you transition out of service, you don't have that. And it's something that people take for granted, just seeing other people, whether you have the same ideas or whatever. But seeing them on a regular basis, it feels like a sense of wanting and a sense of like a family environment. Once you're out of the service, it's hard to find that because it's even though me and Todd work together, at any given time, we won't see each other on a daily basis. So one of the things I like about SAVE is we are bringing soldiers and airmen, basically service members in to transition into ag, but we're also letting them know, hey, look, this is a community that we're building. So if you feel that you need to talk to somebody, we're always here. Wow. You can always come out to the farm and we'll be there for you. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. That's that is exactly right. We can, you can be alone if you want to be alone, but not if you don't want to be. And and uh, it's hard to find when you when like you said when you don't have that anymore. Some I always tell everybody it's the greatest strength of the military is the fact that we're uniform and and we do everything according to a certain way. Sometimes when you're uniform, you get kind of tired of that. But then when you get out, you go, well, Dad Gum, there was there there was more to that than I thought because that that was predictable. You didn't have to worry on any given day about certain things. And and you get out, it's like, hmm, maybe I like that structure more than I thought I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that makes sense. And the organization's goal is to produce 100 new farmers per year, which I think is amazing. Um, so why is that such an important goal? Well, it's twofold on that. Um, and one, there's a, there is a crisis in America in farming. Uh, American ag is under stress, as as I know you do, and most of our audience does. Uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion about you know what percentage of American farms are in their final generation. You know, no, with no success, it's it's at least sixty percent, sometimes higher. So when we started this, we have had tremendous support from our local farmers, from our Department of Ag here in Kansas. But the United States Department of Agriculture has been the greatest supporter of Save we have had with their grants programs. 
Uh, and then we've had great support from John Deere. So we also know that we're helping veterans transition into a meaningful way of life. And we're going to help solve the crisis of uh, succession on farms or just the fact that farming needs skilled help. Every industry in America is suffering from having an available skilled workforce. And we've always thought that farming requires rigor. It requires physical stamina. It re requires discipline. And uh, not that we're the only ones with that, but if you you successfully serve in the United States military of any branch, of any specialty, you're going to come out with a high work ethic and discipline. Uh, if you don't have either one of those, you won't come out <laughs> uh, successfully. And so we believe we are a good match for the industry because our typical veteran is likes to be outside, like is not afraid of hard work. So we've always thought we were a good match for farming. So the twofold is it helps our veterans find something that's a good match for them, and it helps American agriculture, farmers and ranchers, either find a successor or just find probably the best help they ever hired uh, in a veteran who will work hard and come to work every day and, and take pride in their work. So we've always thought we were a good a good match to help as, to the extent we can solve the problem of available skilled, skilled labor in agriculture. And in a best case scenario, our veterans uh, reach the point where they help uh, with farm succession. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so tell me about the farm. Where is it and what's grown there? Okay. Uh, again, either one of us can answer this. I'll take it and Virgil can jump in on uh, stuff. Uh, we are north of Manhattan. Uh, we're, we're out in the country, but we're, our address is Riley, Kansas. We're two miles from the uh, boundaries of Fort Riley. Uh, we're a 308-acre farm. Uh, I mentioned we're close to Fort Riley because uh, we can hear them over there on the farm. It's normally pretty tranquil out there, but when the army when the army trains, they make a lot of racket. Wow. And uh, so, but we most of us really like that. Um, so we're 308 acres. We're about oh, say about a third of that, or no, probably about a 40 percent is tillable, is row crop, is uh, the rest of it is pastured. Uh, we're a sustainable agriculture program, so we teach uh, rotational grazing. We, you know, we have a hay crop. We have our own cattle herd. And then we grow a variety of things. I mean, part of what we do is expose veterans to us a variety of things. So uh, typical crops for us are, would be wheat, soybeans, uh, and, and sorghum. But we might occasionally grow uh, corn. Uh, not, not that often, but at least on a small plot, we would. And then because beekeeping is still a big part of what we do, back to our uh, origins, we are very sensitive to, to plant things that need pollinated. So we will probably evolve uh, as we get our land improved to growing quite a bit of alfalfa, wow. which is a good crop and is also one of the most bee-friendly uh, crops there are. Uh, and then we have, a, we have an orchard. Uh, it's called our honor orchard and we grow blackberries and hazelnut trees. And then we also maintain a large uh, victory garden uh, with history of those from World War One and Two, where we, Americans were encouraged to grow their own vegetables to take the pressure off of the supplies for the fighting the war. And so it's, we're proud of our history. And so we have a victory garden as well and grow a variety of crops. And then we also have our own high tunnel so we can grow uh, year round. Yeah, that's really cool. Virgil? Uh, and one of the other things that we do is part of our program, if somebody wants to learn about rabbits, 
then if they have rabbits, we have space for them to bring it on there on the farm. Yeah. So like Todd always says, at any given time where old McDonald had a farm. Yeah. <laughs> you can <laughs> find us about everything out there on the farm with us. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's cool. And when does the car start each year? It it changes uh, as we've evolved, but basically January uh, and then again in July, maybe oh, August wow. flexes a little bit. Yeah. Five months, very intense, um, a minimum of three full full days a week, sometimes four. Uh, and and then many times, you know, on their own with some of the projects they have, they'll stay they'll stay late or whatever. Uh, and then depending, of course, on each course. And the flexibility. We we have designed it now to uh, give veterans more time back at home, or if they have a second job while they're going through the training. So it's very intense, and that's why it's three really full days, and sometimes four, depending on the course. And that gives the veteran back to their family or the other students, because not all of our students are veterans. And so we've evolved to that. From we used to be five days a week, and now we're three and sometimes four days a week. Nice. That makes sense. It's good that it's, it also gives them time for their life as well. That's yeah. Cool. Virgil does a great job of talking to the veterans and figuring out just what, you know, what each particular class, what will work for them all with the intent of we, we're just trying to help improve people's lives, give them some meaning. And so mm-hmm. we don't have a rigid absolute on certain things because we'll, we'll flex that based on the class that's coming in and somewhat their interest and just, you know, somewhat the weather, but, it's uh, the number of hours that we complete is absolutely hard and fast because that's part of our certification. But we have a little bit of flex on how we get there because farming doesn't necessarily lend itself, as you know, to a rigid uh, schedule. People ask us all the time. They say, well, the, will the students be there for the harvest? Uh, it depends. So Mother Nature decides when we harvest wheat. Not- yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. And and so what is the curriculum? Is there a balance uh, between bookwork, management skills, and hands-on training? Sure. Virgil's the right guy to answer that. That would depend basically on the class. Um, Mm -hmm. Like when we're going through agribusiness management, that's basically geared to where we help them to develop a business plan and understand the parts and the requirements of a business plan. That's a class that you really can't go outside and do. So that's going to be more of a classroom type. But then we go into things like range management and water quality. That's a class where you maybe spend 20% of your time inside doing the book work and learning from a book. But then the rest of the time, they're outside on the prairie land, uh, working with the ponds and seeing the way the ground contours and things of that nature. So it 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 really depends on what class they're taking at the time. That current time. I see. Yeah. It sounds very well-rounded. Right. And- we, we have a bias uh, to getting your hands dirty. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned COVID and we all know those challenges. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're not really a virtual program and that for what we think is involved with the healing part of it, we need to have contact with people. They need to be out at the farm and, and here in the, hearing all of our old McDonald critters making noise and they need to f- feel the wind and, they, and all of those things. So uh, we're probably, Virgil, correct me, but we're probably 55, 60% hands-on, 40% classroom. 
But of course, the classroom is outdoors when we're outside working. But we we believe that in particular because we were created for veterans, uh, a classic course of of all academics would probably not fit our what we're trying to do. We understand that, and we do have rigid structure that we have to meet and tests that we have to take, and they have a finishing program that's a business plan that has to be approved. So we do all that because we are a school, and we're proud of the fact we're a school. But what really makes us different is that we are really outside a lot. Yeah, that's great. And and how does somebody apply? Oh, any one of a number of ways. Virgil can can walk you through that too. So. Um, they can go online at our website and apply that way, which will send a basically they when they go on our website and they apply, they send a re, a request for an application. Okay. From there, uh, myself or one of the other staff members would send them. Um, basically a letter of intent to let explain everything to them, what they're expected, how they would go about the continuing on with the process of applying. And then once we receive that back, we would go through with the actual application part. Um, if like somebody wants to come to the farm to visit, just they can once again, go to our website and apply to do a visit on the farm. And most people, when they come out and they see, where they're going to be learning at and the type of environment it's going to be in. A lot of them sit there and they'll say, Hey, well, yeah, where do I sign up? At that point, I can have all the paperwork right there on hand for them and they can start filling out the application there. Um, one of the things that most people tend to forget is we are a school. So we're not just going to let any and everybody in. So if you have issues or things of that nature, we will screen you out to the best of our ability. And then we'll let you know if you actually was accepted or not. But for other than that, application is easy. You can call us and let us know, hey, look, I'm interested. And we can go through the process of getting the information to you. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah, very good. And can you tell me about some success stories, like people that have gone through the course and where they are now? Uh, sure. Uh, uh, now, some of them we've kind of lost track of because uh, they're busy and we're busy. But the two that come to mind, uh, we had a veteran come through, Army veteran, uh, completed the program, came into the program, pretty much convinced they wanted to be a cattle rancher mm-hmm. and uh, got exposed that the old McDonald had a farm there to sheep and like that. But really, really went head over heel for goats. Really? It never, if you would ask them on day one, they'd say, I don't have nothing to do with those dead gum goats. And <laughs> next thing you know, they take a shiny goats and now they have a rapidly growing, they are happy as they can be, a farm about an hour from here uh, and uh, just loving life as uh, goat farmers. Another a couple came through, and that's one of the things that's really also we really encourage, you know, because some of our veterans, not in this particular case, but many of our veterans have have some cognitive issues. Uh, based on the injuries that they incurred serving their country. Uh, so again, that's not this particular case, but we encourage veterans like that to come through with their spouse. Uh, so most recently we had a veteran that did not have any cognitive issues, but had really had some tough tours, came through with his wife and his son. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the son, you know, it's, would go and play certain times, but was, was a great young, young boy, 10 years old. 
but they completed the program together. They have their own farm now, and they're mostly in poultry, uh, both ducks and uh, chickens. But they're also looking at some specialty crops with some lavender and a variety of things. And so they are one of our successes of uh, folks that are we would call a small scale, small uh, diversified farm. Uh, and so they have their own farm and they started their own business. And so uh, those are two of our most recent examples of folks that came to the farm, didn't necessarily know for sure what they wanted to do and left and are really, they're, they're what we are there for. They are happily transitioned in farming. And that's why Virgil and I get up every day and go out there and try to make that possible. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And Virgil, who comes to mind for you? Um. We had a couple um, students that came through. They really didn't complete the program because when they came through, it was a 11 month program, but they really got involved in range management. And now those two guys are working on Fort Riley with a contracting company. And they're basically pursuing the passion and making sure that the land on Fort Riley, even though they're using it for training areas, is preserved and wow. well taken care of. Wow. So the, the path forward after that is very diverse then. It is. It is. Um, we, we do, as I mentioned, we, I, I guess I, sometimes I use baseball analogies. A walk-off home run for us is somebody that moves to a farm that's in its final generation and takes over that farm. And we have had a few cases of that a few years ago. COVID has really slowed things down. But recently, we find that a lot of our veterans really want to be great stewards of the land. And they don't necessarily aspire to own thousands of acres of land and have hundreds of head of cattle. They want to do like Virgil said, be somewhere and make sure that we are good stewards of the land. And there's a reward in that. And others want just small scale or very diversified where they could probably do what they need to do on just a few acres. Uh, When we first started, we didn't necessarily envision that. Farming is expensive, uh, both from an equipment and just buying the land. And we have really put a lot of effort uh, into give, showing them how it's possible to have a meaningful, fulfilling job. Uh, and you don't necessarily have to be a land or a cattle baron. So. Yeah, that's amazing. So for any listener out there or, or somebody watching uh, the interview, if they are inspired to help, how can they do that? And and um, I'm assuming that you would accept help as well. Sure. Uh, of course, again, the website, but you know, the, in, on our website, you can call us. And we do have mm-hmm. a service. So if you call, uh, it'll be recorded and Virgil or I will call you back pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, and we have an arrangement with the local volunteer, the Flint Hills Volunteer Center that has people come out and help us. Uh, again, we... We welcome pretty much everyone. I, I, one of the things I forgot to mention, we are absolute. We don't turn somebody away for any physical limitation. Uh, we have our own track chairs. We are ADA compliant, so uh, you anybody can come, and we will we will accommodate what what is your interest and what your capacity is. So I just want to clarify when we when we screen people, it's mostly to make sure that they truly have an interest and don't have any you know, history that where they would be not safe on the farm, which is true for any walk of life. And then just a little bit of cognition to make sure that if they're going to enroll in the certificated program that they could complete it. And it would be the same thing with the volunteer. We would just find out what they want to do. And if they want to help us administratively, that would be fine. 
uh, or if they want to come out and work, uh, we would uh, we would just assess where they could help us in a safe uh, manner. So uh, we don't typically have people come out and help us operate equipment because that's very dangerous, and you have to have a certain certain skill set. So you probably we, if you came out to volunteer, we wouldn't teach you to operate equipment. If you came out and already knew how to operate equipment, that would be different if that if that makes sense. So and we can take help for once a once a year for four hours in the garden, or we can take help any one of a of a number of ways. Uh, just coming out there is uh, the best tool we've got. So the biggest thing I can tell you is, and we appreciate that help with volunteers. If you'll come out and see us and you'll walk around that place, I bet you you'll find something you'd like to to help us out with because it's pretty it's pretty powerful. The the fresh air and the and all the things that go on in a farm are about as good a therapy as we think you can find. I'm sure. I would love to come visit someday. I will. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 not saying there's not a role for virtual, but mm-hmm. we you 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 can't you can't get a good feel for the same farm virtually. You got yeah. got to come out there and get knee deep in it to get a feel for what this place is. For sure. And if somebody wants to donate as well. Absolutely. Where, where do they go about or, that? And we we belong to a community foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, way to, to participate that way. It's it's very simple. Get to our website or get a hold of us. Uh, we have we have had donations from all over the country uh, and people that have heard about us from several states away and they'll just send us whatever they can afford. Sometimes our donations are designated where they want them to go to a particular thing. Uh, most commonly, that's uh, towards either the honor orchard or some kind of water. You know, water is a challenge for a lot of the country. And so we've had some very good donations to help us put in wells uh, mm-hmm. so that we can pr- practice our rotational grazing or make sure that we can uh, maintain our honor orchard. So we've had private individuals that in particular really like to donate to something tangible like a piece of equipment or a tree uh, or things of that nature. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Or we, have- we can always use another tractor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> And so I have one last question for each of you. Uh, why, you know, we've touched on a lot of the reasons why, but personally, why, what's at the heart of why you serve the industry and what is your greatest passion of, of all of this? Um, Virgil, you start. Um, for me, it's, it's really about helping out others. I can sit there and be content with being by myself and my family. But when I get the opportunity to help out others in the community, not just veterans, but just help out others and see a smile and know that, hey, I actually contributed to making somebody life different. If it's not for better, at least I'm trying not to make it worse. But if I can actually make a difference in their life, that's fulfilling to me. So that's one of my biggest things there. Yeah, that's amazing. And Todd? Well, I like to hang out with guys like Virgil, who I had a privilege to serve with. So uh, I like to still be around uh, fellow veterans. But for me, I know from our service, Virgil and I both, that even though it was rigorous and difficult, some of our brothers and sisters had a hard go. And just get up every day saying they they need to get off the porch. They need to They need to know that there's a group of people out there fellow veterans and others that care about them. 
And so this farm is where we would tell people, we are not going to turn you away. Uh, if you're wheelchair bound, whatever, you, this is a place you can come to. So to me, my passion is that no veteran ever feels like uh, that there isn't uh, plenty of people out there that are trying to figure out a way to improve their life. And some of them, there will be a limit to what they can do. Uh, but I get up every day to make sure that that is as small a limit as possible and that they've got meaning and fulfillment. Uh, I've just seen too many that end up with a level of medication that they sit on the front porch and kind of somewhat have cognition of the world going by. And I think, you know, I think if we could get them out here or in a program like this around the country, get outside and be around some folks that they know care about them and get their hands in the dirt. I think there's a healing in that that uh, needs to be replicated. And that's what we got started here. And our ultimate goal is that no veteran anywhere would have to travel very far to find a place like this that's solely exists to help them uh, to heal and transition from serving their country to uh, something meaningful to get up and go do every day. Yeah. Well, those are some incredible, honorable goals. Um, appreciate you guys so much for joining me today. Uh, great conversation and I learned something and and now I have a, a bucket list thing. I need to come visit that farm because it sounds you, so cool. You need to, you need to come out and see us. We, mm-hmm. we got, we got stuff that'll fit your hands. We got all kinds of things you can see and do. And, and uh, we would be honored if you'd come out and see us. So. That would be great. Um, and thanks to everybody who's watching or listening. If you want to learn more, all the links are provided in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, Telegram, or Eggfuse channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. Our newest podcast by North American Ag is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com. Available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy... You can bid with confidence, no buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. 
Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar. That's northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar to register now.